Good morning and welcome to Riverside Presbyterian Church this morning. Grace and peace of God be yours today. We are gathered here today in person and also through the internet. We're gathered here in the sanctuary, but we are gathered by the Spirit from wherever we worship today. It is God's Spirit in our midst, and so we pray that if you are worshiping from home or in some other place, that uh, that will become sanctuary for you, a, a holy place of worship in which you feel a part of this congregation. It is a new month, and so because it is the first Sunday of the month, we have the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And so we hope that uh, if you are at home, that you have uh, taken the opportunity to get uh, some bread or juice or something that will help you to celebrate this sacrament where you are as we do here. And now, uh, for those of you that are here, I invite all who are able to stand for the call to worship in our opening hymn. This is a time for searching, for seeking, and then being found. As for me, O oh God, I will seek your face in sincerity and truth. This is a time for asking from one who knows our needs before we even speak. I am satisfied, O oh God, to wake up to your likeness within me. Let us worship God. confession where we realize our desire for God 
and our hope for God's mercy. It is in admitting the truth of our lives that we take the first step toward wholeness and healing. Trusting in God's grace, let us confess our sins together. Most lovely and most loving God, we place the transcript of our daily lives before you, written on the fabric of our being, and we pray that you will edit our story with the radical love of Christ Jesus. We are all not as friends think we are. We are not even what we imagine ourselves to be. You alone see the full text, the lines of glory, the pages of shame, the many gray paragraphs and the unfinished sentences. Look upon us with your saving mercy, loving God. Please forgive and delete every single thing that is unlovely and unloving. Correct and restructure all that is misshapen. Make us more yours than we have ever been before. And in being more yours becomes more truly ourselves. Through Christ Jesus we pray, amen. Friends, hear this good news. The love of God is beyond measure, and you are included in that love. Know that you are forgiven and thus freed to love and serve. Amen. And being in that forgiveness, let us pass the peace of Christ to one another. Peace be with you. Share with one another signs of Christ's peace.
Good morning. I'd love for you to join me for a moment for the children. So this fall, a lot of people are wondering about sports. Are they going to play the games? Which games are they going to play? Are people going to be in the stands? Lots of questions. But I wanted to tell you a story about a wrestling match that's found in the Bible. So on one side, there's Jacob, and on the other side, there's, well, let me go back and tell you a little bit more about Jacob. So Jacob and Esau were twins. They were really different, and they fought all the time. And Jacob actually schemed and tricked Esau, and he cheated and he lied, and he actually cheated Esau out of a blessing that the father meant to give Esau. So Esau was mad. He was really angry, and he hated Jacob. So Jacob ran away, far away, to another land. And he lived there for 20 years. And one day, God appeared to Jacob, and he said, It's time for you to go home. Go back to your homeland. So Jacob gathered up his family, and now it's really large by this point, and lots of herds of animals. And he started back to his homeland. But it was going to take a long time. Back then, they didn't have cars or trains or planes, so they had to walk. So as he was walking, Jacob thought, oh, I wonder if Esau is still mad at me. So he sent messengers on ahead. So the messengers went on ahead and came back, and they said, we saw Esau, and he has 400 men with him. And Jacob thought, oh, Sounds like an army to me. So he was really scared. So he prayed. He prayed a lovely prayer. But then after the prayer, he thought, oh, I better have plan B. What if that doesn't work? So he decided to split up his family into two groups. And they would go at different times so that if Esau got one of the family groups, the other one would survive. And then he thought, oh, I better have presents. So he took his large herd of animals and he divided it up and he sent them on ahead as presents for Esau. So he sent all the people and all the animals across the river. Now he was by himself, all alone, and it was nighttime. And he fell asleep and he dreamed. And a man 
came to him and wrestled. And at first, Jacob didn't know who this was. But they wrestled back and forth and back and forth all through the night, hour after hour after hour. And finally, as the sun was coming up, the man said to him, let me go. And Jacob said, oh, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the angel of the Lord said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. But when he said Jacob, it meant all the things that he was, all the times he lied and cheated and deceived. And the angel of the Lord said, I'm going to change your name from Jacob to Israel. Israel means he who has struggled with God and with man and has overcome. And then he blessed him. That's what Jacob wanted, was that blessing. Not wonderful that he struggled and he held on for the blessing. Now Jacob knew, Jacob slash Israel knew, that God was in control. And when he did see Esau, his brother, he actually ran to him. Esau ran to him and hugged and kissed him. And it was a lovely reunion. So I wonder today, is there something you're struggling with? Is there something perhaps you're worried about? Will there be something new this week that you need to face? Are you perhaps concerned about school and how things will be really different this year? Whatever it is, God wants you to bring your struggles and your worries to him. But he also wants you to hang on until the blessing. He longs to bless you. And that's good news. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord, thank you so much for today. And thank you for being there to hear our struggles and our worries. And, oh, Lord, help us to hang on to your blessing. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you, and have a great week. Welcome. We are so glad that you are with us, whether you are here in this sanctuary or at home or wherever else you may be. Welcome. As many of you know, we are getting particularly excited about um, Pastor Brian Lays and his wife, Sunel, coming here very soon. They actually have arrived in Jacksonville and are settling in. He is planning to be at work on the, the week of the 10th, and his first Sunday preaching will be August 16th. So I want to make you aware that beginning August 16th, and for four Sundays in a row, um, we are going to plan to have two worship services, an 8 o'clock worship service outside and a 10 a.m. worship service in here. That will continue to be the one that we live stream, the 10 a.m. service. Um, be looking for more information about that and how to sign up. You will still need to sign up for either service. And of course, all of this is contingent upon so many things, right? COVID and weather, et cetera, et cetera. So be constantly looking for updates from us. Um, 
If you have not signed up for our weekly email, I really encourage you to do that. There, That is where the majority of our information is coming right now. And it will be, as you are aware, uh, changing with our circumstances. So both looking to having um, two worship services at least for four weeks. We'll assess after that what we'll do. And also looking at after um, Labor Day, adding in some educational opportunities, hopefully both here on campus and um, via Zoom and, and other formats. So just look to stay informed on our website and on those uh, weekly emails. And again, we are really looking forward to having uh, Pastor Lays and his wife Sunel here. So look for more information about how we plan to welcome them here and embrace them into this community. Thank you. Let us pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for drawing us here. We pray that you would open our ears and our hearts that we might understand what you would have us to know today. Help us to struggle with your word and be blessed by it. In Christ's name, amen. So the lectionary reading for this Sunday from the Old Testament is one that uh, Dale ably shared with us. I'm going to read it. Uh, it's from Genesis chapter 32. As she said, it's a part of a longer saga. But here is today's piece of it. During the night, that is the night before Jacob would go to meet his brother Esau, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his maidservants and his 11 children and crossed the, the ford of the Jabbok. And he gave them, he got them safely across the brook along with all of his possessions. But Jacob stayed behind by himself. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled, he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint. The man said, let me go, it's daybreak. Jacob said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. The man said, what's your name? He said, Jacob. The man said, no longer. Yikes. Your name is no longer Jacob. From now on, it is Israel, meaning God wrestler. Did you know that? God wrestler. You've wrestled with God and you've come through. J Jacob asked, well, what's your name? And the man said, why do you want to know my name? And right then and there, he blessed Jacob. Jacob's, Jacob named that place Peniel, God's face, because he said, I saw God's face. I saw him face to face and lived to tell about it. The sun came up just as he left Peniel, limping because of his hip. This is why the Israelites to this day don't eat the hip muscle, because Jacob's hip 
was thrown out of joint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As Emily said, we are on the threshold of something new here at Riverside. We know that Brian and Sunel Lays are here. Uh, They'll be beginning soon. I know a lot of you have been anticipating this time for a long time, but it's not only that. If you you had a chance to be next door and, and see our offices, you would know that for the last over a month, things have been just in all kinds of transition. And uh, you people are changing offices. We have new carpet. The machines are being rolled around. People's jobs are changing. We have new badges to wear. It's just so much is happening. Um, it's, it's, it's exciting. And, and it's something that you, I hope that you are uh, getting a sense of expectation about this transitional month of August, uh, when it, we are preparing for, for what? For what we don't know exactly, but we think it's going to be new and we hope it will be good. And so for today's homily and next week's sermon, I have this opportunity, I think, to set the stage a little bit for Brian. I almost feel a little bit like John the Baptist, you know, the forerunner who kind of kind of gets to tee it up. But I don't want you to think Brian is Jesus uh, and, and I am not going to be eating locusts and honey. OK, but so don't take that too far. But just it's it's it is a, a great, uh, I think, opportunity for us together as a congregation, to prepare for something new. But I also know that the context for today and for hearing the word of God today is far larger than just within what is happening in this church. There is a great and deep struggle that is broadly but unevenly distributed across our community and our nation and our world. It is a struggle of relationships and hope, of health and economic vitality, of brotherhood and sisterhood. It is a struggle in which we find ourselves not really with quick answers, technological solutions. And I know from listening to so many of you that you are weary, deeply weary of that struggle, as am I. It is a struggle that has brought division and death, physical stress and spiritual struggle as well. And so I want to begin today with uh, this passage of scripture, which I believe is the meta-narrative for the story of Jacob. Uh, And it it is this. It's from Romans chapter 8, where Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, nor things in the future, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us 
from God's love in Jesus Christ. Paul Tillich said this is the most important thing for Christians to understand in their daily life. And yet it is also one of the most misunderstood and distorted promises by Christians. Misunderstanding leads to disillusionment if we feel that God has not come through on the promise the way we take it to mean. So what does it mean? There is certainly evil in the world. There is anguish in the human heart about what is happening. Paul has seen it all. He lists so many things, famine and war, uh, powers, demons, death, separation, all kinds of things that are hurtful that people are struggling with around the world. Paul has seen it. He's experienced a lot of it, even as we are in this day. And the promise that he affirms is not some vague hope that there will be a happy ending in all circumstances, because sometimes there is no hope. It's not some kind of belief in a progressive human achievement that we will finally figure out a way to have peace and end the struggle, nor is it some kind of belief in a a, a giant machine universe, universe in which God's plan just seems to follow and everything follows and eventually we get where we want to be. No, Paul's saying that when there is no reason to hope and evil is triumphing and death has reigned victorious, it is precisely then that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It is then that all things are working together, ultimately good for eternal love, for the fulfillment of God's purposes for you. There is a creative and saving possibility implied in every situation. That is our faith and our hope. So with that context, I must say that I often find myself still struggling to sleep at night. I don't know about you. I used to think that it was my kids' fault, you know, that they kept me awake. They would wake up, or they would be out late at night. It was, but no, they're gone now, and I still can't sleep at night. It's different things. I think as you age, you know, your body kind of keeps you awake at night, but it's also your brain keeping you... You know, last night, for me, I was worried about family members, some near, some distant, things I can't control, things I should have controlled. Um, didn't sleep well. It's, it's fairly routine. And I guess I bet it would be for a lot of you. But it can't compare with what Jacob went through. 
I mean, Jacob was attacked by a stranger. He was attacked by this, this being, this person, this ominous person who is unidentified, adding to the terror and the dread. He can't see him, doesn't know who it is, but just knows he's being attacked. And all night, as Dale said, they wrestle and they get to the morning and it's still a tie. No one is one. Jacob is injured, but he's not really defeated. And the stranger wants to leave. And, you know, there are so many ways we can look into the story and interpret it. And there is this thing called the Midrash, a Jewish interpretation of the, of the scriptures. And the mid, one of the Midrash interpretations of this is that the stranger wants to leave because the stranger wants to go back to heaven and sing in the morning choir. Well, could be, we, we just don't know. But if it's Yahweh who wants to go back to heaven, why has Yahweh ended this all-night match in a tie? How can you tie Yahweh? So there is this negotiation, and Jacob comes up with a new name, and he's blessed, but he's injured. It's a strange story. I think deliberately strange, deliberately enigmatic. We're not meant to make this into uh, some kind of simple A equals B deal. It's kind of like looking at your phone app when you're trying to look at a, a map on your phone and you're too close and you can't get any perspective about what you're looking at and so you have to back up. You have to get a bigger view of the thing. And as we enter a new era here at Riverside, as we make a transition in this pandemic time, how does this story relate to the larger story of good news, of Jesus saving love for the world, of our sense of being called to be a movement for reconciliation here at Riverside? Where does it all fit? Well, quickly, the, the longer story, as you know, is that Isaac and Rebecca couldn't have children, but eventually they did. They had twins, Esau and Jacob. Esau uh, was like going to be a, a, a couple minutes older, but God decreed that the elder shall serve the younger. Contrary to all social custom and norm, the elder shall serve the younger. And so uh, Jacob grabbed his heel as they were coming out of the womb. And so from the very beginning, we have a story of cunning and scheming and deceit, deliberate deceit. Why is this God's decision? Why? Why overturn the social norm? Why shouldn't the younger serve the elder? And so then there is a stolen blessing, that, oh, tragic, gut-wrenching scene where Isaac is lamenting that he cannot give the blessing that he wanted to give to Esau because it had been already stolen by Jacob. 
and they're crying together. And you wonder, why can't there be two blessings? What's the big deal? You're God. Just do another one. Or have a do-over. Take back the first one and give it to the guy you wanted to. What's the big deal? There's something about this intention, the elder shall serve the younger, that seems so important that it cannot be revoked. I think about, I think about the Mukes twins, Davis and, and Olivia. You know, I, I can't remember which one is older, but can you imagine, you know, if they reversed it? And, you know, what if the younger uh, was served by the elder? Or how about the Schoenbergers? They've got triplets, Lindsay and Lucas and Landry. Boy, what a mix-up that would be if they got that out of order and they started competing and you serve me. No, 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 no. And, you know, how do you figure all that out? And I was trying to figure out what this meant, and I thought, you know, Brian's a lot younger than me, but I'll be dipped if I'm going to serve him all the time. You know, I don't think it means Bill serves Brian. After 20 years away, Jacob decides it's time to go home. And he returns home not as the fleeing outcast and refugee that he left. He returns home wealthy with wives and children and flocks and money. He comes back successful. And he sees Esau at a distance. And Esau is also successful. Remember, Esau also got a blessing. It's not as if God only loved Jacob. God blessed both of them. And he's, Jacob sees Esau at, in a distance. He's afraid. He sends gifts to, to sort of soften him up. He even sends forward his family as sort of a human shield the night before. I mean, I don't think... Jacob, Jacob has not stopped scheming over these 20 years. And then we have this this troubling story of a struggle, a wrestling match at night. And then the next day, Jacob meets Esau. And I would like to say it was as sweet as Dale made it out to be. But really, uh, you know, Jacob still didn't really trust Esau. And Esau was like, you know, hey, now that we're back together, why don't your people and my people travel together? Let's and, and Jacob made up a flimsy, false excuse to say, ah, I can't do it. Can't do it. We've got to go our own way. Uh, Jacob was still not being really honest or trusting. But Jacob did become Israel. Jacob was given a new name and was the father, the patriarch of the 12 sons, the 12 tribes, who eventually suffered famine, became enslaved, but then were freed in the Exodus, were re recipients of this marvelous covenant with Yahweh, were given a promised land. This whole historical saga. Jacob, one of the key figures. But what about this night? Why is this story even told? Why couldn't it have been told more clearly? 
Why this dark story of struggle? Why was it necessary for Jacob to limp toward Esau in order to be reconciled? Maybe the injury was an essential part of the blessing. You know, Paul says we are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation, and I I wonder if we're going to be ambassadors of reconciliation or a movement of reconciliation here, can we and must we acknowledge that we too walk with a limp? I don't know, maybe the limp is our biases or our pride or our privilege or our, our need for approval that covers up our insecurity. Maybe it's our belief systems or our self-justifications or our self-concern. I don't know. I just think each one of us has a hitch in our step. In the story, blessings are given. Undeserved. But at what cost? It seems that throughout Scripture, we learn that there is power in weakness. That's what the foolishness of the cross was to the people in Paul's time. How could there be power in weakness? How could one be called to give up their life in order to receive life? What sense does that make Jesus? But Israel sees God and lives. But he lives in a new way, with a new identity, a new purpose and vulnerability. And I think maybe that is a part of the work that we at Riverside can be doing right now. This week, this sense of looking at our limp, our vulnerability, knowing that there is no one who is condemning. This is not about guilt. This is, this is not about condemnation, for Paul says there is no one who condemns. We are forgiven already. We now have been called by a new name and given a new future and mission. So whether our struggle is personal or communal, whether it is with our limitations, our disabilities, a past that follows us uninvited into our present that we can't get rid of, or future horizons that seem to be closing in on us. Or as Dana Riley said last week, a a grief that sits in the pit of our soul that must be acknowledged. The story tells us that God is intimately wrestling with us, involved with us, The story of the wrestling is close encounter 
not distant. It's personal. And as strange as it may seem, it is good news. It is a countercultural reversal. It is the prodigal son that is being given a beautiful robe and a party. It is Jesus announcing that he comes not for those who have it all together, but for those who are sick. It is the announcement that those who mourn, who are meek, who are poor in spirit, who are at the end of their rope, they are blessed. We are blessed. So I invite us this week to do some wrestling. Probably you've been doing a lot of wrestling. But maybe imagine, imagine as this story invites us to imagine, a partner in the wrestling who loves us, who is intimately involved with us, and does ultimately come with blessing. Amen.